Welcome to the Ember Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today as we gather together to wrestle with the ways that these ancient texts collide with our everyday lives as 21st century people. Using art, music, and the world around us as our guide, we hope to breathe new life into these texts and that our conversations spark as much curiosity and creativity for you as they do for us. Hi, I'm Jeremy Grafe. I lead Ember Faith Community here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Hi, I'm Allison Spooner, and I'm the pastor at Faith Emmanuel and Hope Presbyterian Churches. Hi, I'm Kelsey Wallace, and I'm a PhD candidate at Drew University. For this season of the podcast, we're taking a look at the book of Jonah. We'll be reading Jonah not as a retelling of historic events, but as an ancient novel, and we'll explore its themes of call, repentance, and God's mercy. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, three days' walk across. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk, and he cried out, Forty days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast, and everyone, great and small, put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Then he had a proclamation made in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, no human being or animal, no herd or flock shall taste anything. They shall not feed, nor shall they drink water. Human beings and animals shall be covered with sackcloth, and they shall cry mightily to God. All shall turn from their evil ways and from violence that is in their hands. Who knows? God may relent and change his mind. He may turn from his fierce anger so that we do not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Welcome to the podcast. This week we're going to be talking about Jonah chapter 3. We're going to be talking about repentance a lot. What does that mean in the context of the book of Jonah? What does that mean in the context of our lives? Thanks for tuning in. So in the first few verses, we get this thing that Nineveh is a great city. And like when I hear that, the first thing that we might think is, what do we what do we mean by great? And of course, it goes on to say that it's an exceedingly large city. But one of the things that comes to my mind immediately is in the very beginning of the Harry Potter series, like Harry's just gone to Diagon Alley for the first time and he's getting his wand and Ollivander says, oh, this one other wizard had a feather from the same phoenix who was a, one of the greatest wizards. Terrible, but still great. So I'm not thinking about great in terms of, like, general goodness. I'm thinking about great in terms of what the effect was on, like, the outside world based on what was going on in that city and what their power and potential was, not necessarily, like, that they were particularly good or just. So, like, great and terrible. Yeah, I think great in our everyday talk and the way we understand the English language now 
great and good get um, equivocated. Is that not the word? That's not the word I mean. Great and good, um, people use them as synonyms, but they're very much not. And um, greatness is no indication of goodness. Um, I think that's abundantly clear in in this text and also in uh, last season's text of Revelation where we talk about Babylon, Babylon the Great. Um, what does that mean? Does, doesn't mean, this is great. No, it's uh, great and terrible. So let's also talk about um, Jonah's proclamation, um, his, the only part of this book that is actually a prophecy. One whole verse. Forty days more and Nineveh shall be overthrown. I always imagine Jonah, like when I read this now, I imagine Jonah as being gleeful about it. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. I almost imagine um, like Dave Chappelle playing Rick James or something like that. <laughs> like laughing about it because, I mean, he wanted to see Nineveh annihilated. Yeah, this is probably the the best part of his job. <laughs> yeah, this is great. Like, well, I'm here, so let's make some people uncomfortable. <laughs> and, like, I totally see that, but part of me also, like, has this image of Jonah walking through the city, just kind of talking to himself, like, 40 days more, Nineveh will be overthrown. He doesn't mention God. He doesn't say repent or else. He says, you're going to die. And he just kind of, like, says it as he walks along because at the same time we've already heard in subsequent or in past weeks that he is pretty sure that God's going to redeem them and he's not about to let that happen if he can help it. He runs away, gets eaten by the fish. Here he is. God has sent him once again at the edge of the city and said, go forth and tell these people this thing. And he's got, I just have this vision of him walking through like 40 days more. Nineveh's going to be overthrown. Walking his way through the city like, well, you didn't tell me I had to yell it. He didn't tell me I had to proclaim it on a street corner. And you didn't say I had to do this. So let me just tell you, you're going to die. I did my job, God. Can't get after me now. Passive aggressive Jonah. Yeah. Mumbling down the street. I mean, it does say that he cried out, though. Yeah. Minimal effort, though. Minimum effort. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if you want 32 pieces of flair, why don't you make that? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But I think, I think in some ways... It's striking either way that they believe him, that they oh, yeah. immediately respond. And Especially they when... do repent. Like, they acknowledge, oh, we really haven't been doing, we're not doing things right. We're not good. And they do all the classic Hebrew repentance moves. Hmm. They put on sackcloth, sit in ashes, they fast. Like, they do all the right things. Well, and here again, like, I... I read that as you know god's sovereignty like here's god working through people like god has enabled people to understand what the appropriate action is and to get the message even if it's not being delivered in a way that's maybe clear or all that graceful on its own i remind myself of that every time i write a sermon um and I, i'm not putting minimal effort into into them but really you know trying really hard and fretting over it and worrying like oh am i saying what i need to say is this clear is this true to the text but at a certain point i have to give that over to the holy spirit of like i don't know what people are going to hear 
when I say these words. I don't know what God is doing with the words coming out of my mouth. Um, so I think that can be really a liberating thing. And it's another mark of God's sovereignty. We have, even if you're not putting minimal effort in, you have minimal control mm. over what the after effects of what you say will be. I think that also speaks to uh, Paul in 1 Corinthians who uh, talks about, you know, God has made foolish the wisdom of the wise. And, you know, what Jonah is doing here could be construed as foolishness, but God does something amazing with it and redemptive with it. Mm -hmm. Verse 9 makes me laugh, too. The king of Nineveh goes, who knows? Maybe if we do all these things, God will relent and turn from his fierce anger so we might not perish. And, like, as the reader outside the text following along, like, we're pretty sure at this point that, that God's going to, if they're doing these things to repent, that God's not going to destroy them. And it just, it reads this kind of, like, both desperate and lighthearted and kind of plays into the kind of absur- absurdity of, of Jonah, the story of Jonah as a whole, that he's kind of like, well, who knows? Maybe we'll be okay. Well, okay, to back up even a few more verses from that, we have animals that are also fasting (laughs) and wearing sackcloth, which is, I mean, that's one of the things that is the most absurd, I think, in chapter three. It's like, it's one thing to command your people to fast, but (laughs) animals, it's another thing. Like, Although to me, it's absurd, but I think it also speaks to the way that in Jonah, God is God of all creation, not just the Hebrew people not just people but also the animals they're included in this whole thing it's weird to think that the animals need to repent it's not like the animals were willfully you know carrying out the the will of the assyrian empire but well and it's i don't an, know they're included in the promise it's an economic standstill like in the ways that like mm. our capitalist individualistic society maybe can't quite wrap our minds around like like the animals are fasting, the animals are wearing sackcloth, the people are fasting, the people are wearing sackcloth, they're sitting in ashes, they're not working, they're not producing, they're not feeding one another or anybody else. Like they're not, I mean, the, there's something to that, I think, that, that says something about the depth of their repentance, maybe even, especially to us sitting in like a capitalistic world. It also, I mean, as the reader, I think we're pretty sure we're, at this point we know where this is going. Maybe. But as the Assyrians, they're still in a, who knows, maybe this will help, but there's no guaranteed results. There's no, um, it's a, a significant amount of trust to um, that this is the precaution they take against this proclamation of their imminent destruction even if it's not trust it's at least hopeful true i mean maybe they have no reason to trust that the god of the hebrews will spare them but like well let's give this a shot because it could work and i think it says something too that this militaristic empire doesn't respond by arming up like and going to war but Mm -hmm ceases from doing things that is such a powerful thing given the climate right now around guns and um 
violence in general. Um, it's an in interesting conversation, I think, that people are having around defense, guns, fear, you know. Security. Yeah. Security, definitely. I don't well, know. Well, I mean, if we're talking about repentance, I mean, the, the primary thing about repentance is recognizing that the way that you've been is wrong and then doing the opposite of that. Right. And if you have a militaristic empire that has created such on the back of much violence, I mean, it's it's significant that they're pausing from that and doing something that's completely different for them. Yeah. It really flies in the face of everything they have stood to, stood for up to this point. Again, this isn't, just as a reminder, this isn't a historical narrative of what happened for Assyria, but uh, a narrative, fictional look at what it may have looked like. Which in no way diminishes... No, it doesn't. ...any of the metaphor. I mean, it's... Or any of the power of it. I think it makes it even more powerful, actually. Um, that presumably this was written from a Hebrew perspective, not an Assyrian perspective. Um, yeah. And what does that say about their view of God's mercy, then, and justice, and the depth and breadth of that? This week we talked a lot about repentance. That word came up. Um, a lot in our conversation. And that word can have a lot of weight emotionally for people when they hear it. It uh, carries along, um, it carries with it ideas about guilt, ideas about um, feeling bad about what you've done. And I'd like to reframe that word for us this week. Repentance in the Hebrew is a word that literally means to turn around. Uh, and that's what we see the Assyrians doing in this chapter. They turn from the direction that they were headed and turn to a totally different way of being. So this word is not about a feeling. It's about action. It's about living into a new way. Uh, so that, that's our invitation for you this week, uh, to examine how you might turn to a new way of living and what ways uh, that you might need a corrective for the direction that you're headed. As we work through this text, we want to make sure that we are also in conversation with you, our listeners. So we invite you to reach out to us with questions, comments, and we'll be addressing these as we go on in subsequent podcasts. You can send your questions to emberfaithcommunity at gmail.com. Hope to hear from you. The Ember Podcast is a production of Ember Faith Community. Your hosts are Jeremy Grafe, Allison Spooner, and Kelsey Wallace. Music written and performed by Subaltern Project. All rights reserved, 2017.